0: My name is Andy Field, you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network.
1: Hey there, Emerald Podcast Listeners. Welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Francisca Monahan, the Senior Podcast Editor at the Daily Emerald. Today I'm here with
0: Max Thornberry. I'm an associate news editor at the Daily Emerald.
1: And what are we talking about today, Max?
0: Today we are talking about President Schill last week announcing that he will not recommend denaming D.D. Hall to the Board of Trustees.
1: And can you give us a little bit of background on that issue for our listeners who aren't part of the U of O community?
0: I can. So uh, a little over a year ago, the Black Student Task Force, a group of African-American students on campus, uh, banded together and they issued a set of demands to administration. And the first demand on that list was that all KKK-related buildings on campus would be renamed starting with D.D. Hall. Matthew D.D. was a judge in the uh, 1800s, uh, most uh, famously known in the state for his uh, exclusionary policies of African-Americans trying to keep them from migrating into the state of Oregon.
1: So why do we have a building named after this guy in the first place? And what is D.D. Hall? What's its significance to campus?
0: So D.D. Hall is the oldest building on campus. Uh, And the reason that we have a building on this campus named after this guy is uh, he played a very prominent role in the history of the university. Uh, He helped to appoint the first president of the university uh, along with its first three faculty members. Uh, And uh, most, maybe not more importantly, but pretty importantly, in the 1880s, he convinced Henry Villard, the president of the Northern Pacific Railroad, to donate $50,000 to the university, essentially keeping its doors open, keeping it from shutting down.
1: I could see that, I guess, since he's an important historical figure to the U of O, but his views are very problematic. Why are we letting it slide?
0: That's a that's a really good question. I don't think that keeping the name on the building is letting it slide. We are all aware that the views that Didi had, while, contemporary, while his contemporaries had no problem with them, Today, we don't find acceptable. And President Schill said that in his announcement. He mentioned that despite the the fact that these were common ideas, we're not forgiving it, but we do have to understand the context in which Matthew Dede was living.
1: I remember reading somewhere about Matthew Dede that his views did evolve with the times, as many people do. Do you have any background on that?
0: I do. So after the Civil War— or We'll even start a little bit earlier when the Civil War broke out. Matthew Ditty condemned the the secessionists, calling them anarchists, and did, was not appreciative of their their actions seceding from the Union. And he was very strong Union, not anti slavery, but strong Union. So we we have a, a a bit of a conflict there, which really helps us to understand who this guy is. After the Civil War, with the Fourteenth and Fifteenth Amendments, the giving african-americans citizenship allowing african-american men to vote we see a complete change of what the historians in their report call a metamorphosis and he is 100 percent down the line in support of these amendments and this is matthew Dede's whole thinking is all of the rulings as a judge that he determined were set were based on legal precedent and all of the legal precedent in his day said that african americans are not citizens that african americans can't vote that african americans are not free again not saying that this is okay i don't think that anyone here today is going to think that it is but we understand that he is saying these things because this is the legal precedent set before him He was a judge. He was a lawyer. This is what mattered to him. He was not interested in making the law. He was interested in interpreting what the law on the books was.
1: Yeah, but what about his views on slavery?
0: And so this is really the stickiest point when it comes to Matthew Deedy, is that while, yes, after the Civil War, he never tried to enforce slavery as a law, he himself, in his personal views, it does not seem that he ever abandoned the idea that slavery was a good idea or at least we don't see him anywhere saying or thinking that it was a bad idea
1: and so you were talking a bit about how it was a conflicting time for him especially with being pro-union and also having sort of pro-slavery views at the same time do we see any more of that conflict with him when it comes to race in oregon
0: race in oregon and matthew is might be the most interesting part about this man Uh, we do see him standing up very strongly for uh, chinese immigrant rights as well as native american rights now i want to make it clear that standing up for one minority group and not for another does not make not standing up for the one group any better.
1: Oh, no, obviously.
0: But we do see him standing up very strongly for uh, uh, Native American land rights, telling white people, no, you have no right to go there for uh, fighting against the the genocide of Native Americans. There is an instance when he suggests that a tribe of Native Americans are moved back to uh, out of Oregon, back to land where they had come from. Now, this sounds... uh, Trail of Tears-esque, but this was the solution that this judge came up with instead of genocide was to peacefully move them back to their home where they would be safe. Uh, We see him standing up for Chinese immigrants that are being persecuted by discriminatory laws in Oregon and fighting very strongly for them saying, no, the the law does not allow for this and he would not enforce uh, actions taken against them. if he didn't have the law on his side
1: okay but in that case as well his decisions were based in the law
0: you yes could say. yes every time if the the legal precedent was there or if the legal precedent had been reset by a by an amendment the 14th or 15th then we see him ruling based out of that not out of his own personal convictions or beliefs
1: so it is kind of difficult just to concretely say this is what he felt this is what he believed just throughout his life i mean people's minds and beliefs do change
0: it was and it is terribly difficult to determine what it is exactly that this man thought we have the the benefit of uh, of a hundred plus years coming after him and hindsight is 2020 and we see these views that he had and the rest of the country had that we we can look at them now and say that that was wrong but if we put ourselves ourselves in his shoes and if we think about all of the times that we have grown up with a thought about something how difficult it is for us to change our own thinking we should be applying that to historical figures as well this man was not perfect but we have a a whole range of historical figures that were not perfect george washington had slaves and he's on the one dollar bill franklin delano roosevelt said that we should put Japanese Americans in internment camps in World War II. We're not excusing those things, but at some point we are able to look past them and look at the positive things that they have done, either for our country or, in Matthew Didi's case, for our school.
1: Yeah, and it is important to acknowledge those flaws or imperfections.
0: And I I believe that President Schill has done that. He has come out more than once acknowledging that Matthew Didi is not— the perfect role model and I think that these discussions that we're having now are going to be around and they're going to continue happening and President Schill and the rest of the UO community is happy to talk about those things.
1: So going back to the issue of the renaming of the building, I know that it came as a surprise to some because there is a precedent for renaming buildings, as we recently renamed Dunn. Can you explain who he was and what the issue was there and why we did go ahead and rename the building that was named for him?
0: I can, actually. So Frederick Dunn was a professor at the University of Oregon, uh, and he is most noted for his uh, classics scholarship. He taught Greek and Latin uh, and was published in uh, prominent academic journals in his day. And so his reputation as a scholar earned him a building named after him later on. Uh, the reason that that Dunhall was renamed uh, is because of the criteria, six criteria that President Shill and a committee decided, had to be met to determine whether a hall should be renamed or denamed, as they're as they're saying. Frederick Dunn met all six of the criteria, six for six.
1: How do you meet six for six of the criteria?
0: So there are a series of questions that were that were created in order to assess these two buildings initially, and will be a will. Be assessed against other buildings later on and these are questions of whether the the historical figure that the building was named after held racist misogynistic or homophobic views whether they contributed to violence whether they whether their actions uh in inadvertently contributed to violence things of this nature while frederick dunn did not directly meet some of them his position as an exalted cyclops of the ku klux klan in eugene oregon uh his association with this group caused him to meet six out of six whereas with matthew dd he met two out of six approximately
1: okay so what is the tipping point then have we established that like do you have to meet all six criteria to get a hall denamed for you or do you have to meet like over three
0: we're really not sure yet we have only seen these standards applied to two buildings and we have pretty far ends of the spectrum we have a six for six case a member uh that a member of the Ku Klux Klan that I don't think there was any debate about whether that hall should be renamed and then we have Didi where we have had plenty of debate and the debate will continue but because he only met two of the six and they're was some questionable uh, decisions made in there depending on who you talk to we really don't know yet we're going to have to wait until more halls are assessed against this criteria and then we'll have a larger sample size we'll know better
1: yeah i guess it's just a hard question when you're trying to differentiate historical figures who were flawed human beings and people who had really horrible views that cannot be accepted even now like some people might believe that meeting one of the criteria is already too much to deserve having an entire building named after you on the university of oregon campus and i'm sure that there are still a lot of people who are upset about this decision i mean there's still conversation going on about it we're here now talking about it what is the university going to do for those people
0: so this is by no means a completely foolproof solution but uh, President Shill, along with announcing that he was not going to recommend the denaming of D.D. Hall, also announced uh, a fund that has been started in order to build a Black cultural center on the University of Oregon campus, which, in keeping in line with the beginning of this conversation, was in response to demands made by the Black Student Task Force. And President Shill has made it very clear that while he understands that there is going to be some hurt based on his decision not to dename this hall, he wants the University of Oregon and the community to be making tangible steps towards creating a better environment for minority communities on this campus. And a tangible step to do that, rather than a symbolic step of of denaming a building, he sees, and the Black Student Task Force sees, as building a center for these minority groups to be able to come in, African American students specifically in this case, have a place for them to be able to come and rally around and have a place that feels like home.
1: Do we have a timeline for when this is going to be finished?
0: Uh, We do not have a timeline yet, but make sure to check back in with dailyemerald.com in order to keep up with that.
1: And speaking of the Emerald, um, you mentioned earlier that the entire campus is sort of making these concerted efforts to increase acceptance and sensitivity around diversity. Are we doing anything as a paper to kind of follow that sentiment?
0: Yes, we are. If you pick up a copy of Monday's uh, double issue, actually, we, we expanded that out a little bit. The, on the first page, you will see a letter from our editor-in-chief, Cooper Green, and our print managing editor, uh, Braden Quetion, Br- Br- about why we have been capitalizing the word black. Uh, we are breaking with the Associated Press. style guide we are breaking with major publications such as the New York Times, and we are capitalizing the B in black when we are referring to black Americans or black students in order to realign our language with the equality that we want to see between students on campus.
1: And kind of going on that, um, I know that we were talking about before we recorded this podcast, we were talking about how we really would like to expand this conversation to include some community members. Um, as a paper, we're not really able to take a stand on the denaming of D.D. Dee Dee Hall and that entire conversation, but if you are a community member or a student and you have an opinion that you would like to have voiced, please contact us. We would really love to do a follow-up episode on the same topic, talking to students about their own views on this issue.
0: Yeah, you can reach the, anyone at the news desk. If you send an email to news at dailyemerald.com, we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you like to talk directly to me, you want to agree with me, you want to yell at me for defending uh, President Shill, that's okay too. You can tweet at me at max underscore Thornberry or shoot me an email uh, at mthornberry, just like the cartoon, uh, at dailyemerald.com.
1: Great. I think that's all we have time for today. Um, Thanks again for listening, and we really hope to hear from you. Again, I'm Francisca Monaghan, the Senior Podcast Editor at The Daily Emerald.
0: I'm Max Thornberry. I'm an Associate News Editor at The Daily Emerald.
1: Thanks for listening to The Emerald Podcast Network. See you next time.